0: Oh, Father, Lord, I pray that you would please open our hearts and our minds to see the truths from your word that you and you only have for us today as you continue to grow and mold us day by day into the image of your son. May every other word fall to the ground and be quickly forgotten, but may those words that come from you, may they remain. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, quick. Quick summary. This is a discipleship table. We're walking through the four legs, and you've got worship, you've got community. Now we're in service, and then you have multiplication. Um, that will be the next one that we go through. So what we're trying to do is use this this table, which always has the gospel on top. The gospel is the thing that we're giving away. And we're going to talk about food a little bit today. So the food is actually the gospel. This is the thing that will nour- nourish you know, and sustain you know, individuals. But we're hoping to use this as a guide for brand new believers and for people that have been in the faith for 50 years. Because when we look at the table, we say, really, this is what Christianity looks like. We worship the Lord in various ways. We um, are in community. We're not on an island by ourselves. We serve the Lord, which we're talking about again today, and Sam started that last week. And then ultimately, it's about multiplication, going and making disciples. So this is our uh, discipleship table. So if you have your worship guides and if you're filling in the blanks, we are on service. And last week, Sam did the theology of service. And I know you can't read that, so under service, the next one and the one that we're looking at today is service in community. So if, you, if you're making notes, today is service in community. Okay, this was the definition that Sam Adams gave to us last week. It says, knowing that Jesus Christ did not come to be served, but to serve, gospel-centered service overflows out of each of us by understanding God's unique work in giving all believers spiritual gifts in order for us to bless our communities which is our focus today and to serve the body of Christ which is what we'll talk about next week. So this week we're going to talk more about outside of the gymnasium or the you know Redstone Church Elizabeth and worship place wherever that might be. You know, what does that look like out there? And then next week we'll talk about how does that impact like Sunday mornings and Wednesdays or Tuesdays or whenever you have community groups. This was a review of what Sam said last week. So this is the theology. Um, Jesus is the, the suffering servant. Our hearts can be wrongly motivated in our service. Yes, they can. And that was part of my confession even to you all this morning. We can neither serve Jesus nor others without Jesus serving us with his death and resurrection. We don't even understand what service looks like until we see it um, in him. We don't understand what love is unless we borrow that, you know, from God. Everything ultimately comes from him. And then uh, we serve because he served us, okay? So our understanding comes from him, but then our motivation comes from our understanding of what he has done, if that makes sense. So we're going to look at um, a passage this morning, and it's in Isaiah 58, okay? And um, you can go ahead and turn there, um, but if, you, if you've if you got your Bibles with you, or if you've got your phone, I would go ahead and pull it up and look at it, because I'm going to read more than what's in your worship guide, okay? So you have permission to pull out your phones. So we're going to look at verses 6 through 10, but I'm actually going to read verses one. Through 10 uh, for you this morning. But it, this is Isaiah, and it's an interesting passage that we chose. Johnson City is actually using the same passage this morning as well, because this was written at a time that there was deep spiritual darkness in Israel, and Israel was a divided nation, not too many details you don't need to know, but you had the upper kingdom of Israel and you had the lower kingdom of Judah, and then there were these prophets. You had major prophets and minor prophets, and the only reason they are called major prophets is because their books were longer in the Bible, like Jeremiah and you know, Ezekiel and Isaiah. Those are your, like, your major prophets, and then you had these minor prophets that were much smaller books. But any time that these prophets would speak, they were always speaking a word of doom, or of um, just gloom, you know. You all are sinning again. You know, you have forgotten God, and 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 they would speak the words and the oracles of God. And for that reason, the leaders of the time they didn't love the the prophets a whole lot. So this was one of these moments. Okay, and in this moment, we're going to be looking at the word fasting. Okay, this this whole passage in Psalm. Uh, not Psalm, but in, in Isaiah 58 is about what true fasting looks like. Now, I'd love for us to jump into the topic of fasting and maybe spend two or three weeks on that one day. That's not today, okay? So, But you have to at least understand the context of what we're stepping into because it's spending a lot of time talking about fasting before anything will make sense. Okay, so this is this moment where the nation was saying, you know what, we're going to go without food. That's what fasting usually means food, food and drink, and you may say, oh, well, sometimes I go without Netflix, or I go without using my phone for a week. That's fine. That's There's nothing wrong with that. But biblically, usually when you see fasting, it's food or food and drink. And this is one of these moments where they're looking for God, and they're trying to find the presence of God, and they're looking for the blessings of God, and they're looking for, for the Lord to speak to them, and they're saying, we know what we'll do. We'll fast. And if we fast... Because sometimes when we fast, the Lord reveals himself to us. So we're going to fast. So that's what's happening um, in this passage. OK, and before we even read it, let me, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, um, 16 or actually six sixteen and following, he says some pretty strong words to those that fast as an outward show. So I'm going to fast and I'm going to walk around and let everybody know, oh, Jerry's fasting. He's such a spiritual person. Right, And we have to be careful with that because sometimes we want our prayers to be prayed in such a way that people will commend us or we want our actions to be in such a way that people commend us. Even when we don't realize it, we love the praise of men sometimes more than we love the praise of God. And that would be what would happen with these religious leaders that would be fasting from time to time. They would fast and they would just walk around with you know gloom and they would be going without food and people would be talking about them in a good way and kind of elevating them and lifting them up. And Jesus rebuked that. And he said, don't do that, okay? So understanding that fasting can be an outward show, but biblically, here's some different reasons that the nation or that individuals would fast, okay? Just let me hit these and then we're going to move on. To prepare for ministry. I remember when I was called to be an elder, I spent a certain season of time, you know, fasting as I entered into that season, and the Lord really used that in a mighty way in my life. To show grief. Um, to seek deliverance or protection, think about David running from Saul to gain victory, uh, to worship God, um, a time of fasting for during um, a time of repentance when you're just struggling with sin and you, you you fast so that you can like really focus on the Lord and and confess to him. and then the last one is to seek God or to seek god's wisdom and that's the one that we're looking at today. okay so The Word of God, this is Isaiah 58, and I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 10. If you only have the worship guide, just listen to me as I go through the first five verses, and then we'll jump into the rest of of this, okay? But notice his first words here. He's saying, cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. He's saying, pay attention to what I'm saying. So let's read it the word of God. Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments, they delight to draw near to God, Why have we fasted and you see it not? The people would say. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, your fast, or you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high is such the fast or is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it only for a day? Or is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? And then continuing in your worship guide. And then he, as we jump into this, understand, you know, the Lord has just rebuked them and said, so this is the day for it's just a day for you to humble yourself and to go without food, and, 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 and that's it. But on this day that you do so, look at how you're acting. Look at how you're treating other people. And then he steps in, and he's, he presents what a fast should look like, but we're going to use this as a catalyst to talk about the heart of God and serving our communities. Okay, so let's read. Is not this the fast that I choose, to lose the bonds of wickedness and to untie the straps of the yoke? to let the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry and he will say here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. So he's starting off saying, cry it out, speak it out, shout it out, raise your voice like a trumpet. So what is this message that the Lord is trying to communicate to them? Okay? I believe that he's showing them that there's two types of sins. There's a sin of commission, and then there's a sin of omission. And in this case, they're guilty of sins of omission. And let me give you an example. Sins of commission, if you can't read this, Choosing to do something that you know is wrong. Adam and Eve choosing to disobey God when he says, do not eat of the fruit of of the tree of of good and evil. Well, we're going to do it anyway. David looking out and saying, Bathsheba's pretty. I know that she's married to Uriah, but I want her as my own anyway. I know that this is wrong, but I'm going to choose to do it anyway. Or it's Simba who is not listening to, uh, what's his name? Mufasa. And Mufasa says, you deliberately disobeyed me because I told you not to go to the eerie caves where the the crazy hyenas live. He deliberately disobeyed. That is a sin of commission. Now, sins of omission, choosing to not do something that you know that you should do. That one's a little bit more subtle, okay? Um, Seeing needs around you, ignoring them when you have the ability to step in and help. And in this moment, the Lord is looking at um, Israel, Judah, and he's saying to them, over and over you have these sins of omission because there are needs all around you. And on the day of your fasting, you should be seeing those needs and stepping into them, but you're just ignoring them because your focus is actually on yourself. Okay, So that's what we're talking about this day. So James 4, 7 says it this way, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him, it is actually sin. So we see in this passage a message of serving the Lord by seeing the needs of other people around us and being willing to pour out, is the phrase that's used, pour out ourselves in service to them. Now next week, fast forward, we're going to look at Ephesians 4. And in Ephesians 4, we're going to see that Jesus has given us gifts. When he ascended okay, into heaven, he left gifts for us to be able to serve him. We'll spend the whole service talking about that. But oftentimes, oftentimes we see in the church that Sunday morning almost becomes an idol to the church. Um, I want to be careful with how I say that because Sunday morning is really, really, really important. This is a time that we, we encourage one another, we, we worship, we hear the word of God, we fellowship, we confess our sins, we take communion together. All of those things are good. But sometimes we can take Sunday morning and turn it into a show, a production that really needs to be done just as so. And we look at all of the spiritual gifts and we say, okay, what are their gifts and how can they be used to make Sunday mornings just better, better and better? As if that's the only reason that Jesus has given us gifts is for a Sunday morning. And that's not true. We, at least the elders do, we just completely disagree with that and we think that a lot of these gifts are used outside of these church walls, and so it's not always about the Sunday morning production. And if that sounds ugly, forgive me, because I'm not meaning it that way, but a lot of us grew up kind of seeing this production, and, and you heard me say this like a month or so ago, and at the end of the service, if you'll remember, we look at each other and we say, well, how was that? How did you think that was? And you give almost like a, a one to ten. Well, the preacher gets a seven, hospitality gets an eight, your musicians get a nine. Um, but Mike, I want to pick on you. But the guy that was doing commi- you know, communion, he gets a one. Mike, he, 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 he got like grape juice on my shirt. Right, and we do that, and we like score how Sunday morning was, and what we're saying this morning is no, it goes outside of these walls. A couple of quick passages. Sometimes I give way too many passages, so don't get bogged down in these. But just to to understand that some of what I'm saying, it's, it's like threaded all throughout Scripture. Okay, in Acts 10:38, it says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Um, one of my favorite passages, Psalm 106.3 says, Blessed is the man who maintains justice and constantly does what is right. This is Jesus going about, moment by moment, just doing good and constantly doing uh, what is right. You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that we are to be the light of the world and that people would see our good works and give glory um, to the Father who is in heaven. Just by watching the works that we do, they could see that. And then Ephesians 2.10, we forget because 2.8 and 9 reminds us that it's by grace that we've been saved. It's through faith. It's not of yourself. You, know, you can't boast. There's nothing you can do to say, well, somehow I contributed to my salvation. He takes all of that away in Ephesians 2.8 and 9. And that was part of what I was telling Ben and Samantha. It was like either it's all that Jesus has done or it's what Jesus does, plus you have to contribute to that. Your contribution is to believe and repent and to follow. Okay? Okay. But then in verse number 10, he says, uh, I'll just read it so I won't misquote it. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're not saved by our works, but there's all of these works that the Lord has given for us to do. And he's saying moment by moment, day by day, be stepping in and doing these works. And in Isaiah 58, we get a picture of some of the areas in which we can do these good works. Jesus, Sam told us, did not come to be served, but to serve. That is the theology. And if we are his followers, then we must do likewise. So truth number one in your worship guide, if you're taking notes, is service to God equals service to others. I believe that it actually starts within our families. I believe that if I do a great job of serving the poor and the naked and the hungry, but I neglect my own family, that I'm completely missing the point. I also believe that if I love other people and am at peace with them and kind to them and, and everything else outside of my home, but I'm a jerk at home with my own family and I'm condescending, then... Likewise, I'm completely missing the point. So I do believe that this service does begin at home. I do believe that it starts with things like helping your spouse wash the dishes and putting your stuff away. And if there's something that you know that drives your spouse you know, crazy or kids that drives your parents crazy that you try to not do those things, or you try to help them out. So I do believe that that service begins there, and of course we could spend a whole series talking about like you know Christianity within the family unit, but not today. So then it moves on to our neighbors. You know Jesus you know had asked the question, well who is my neighbor? And he gives this great story of the Good Samaritan. You know this you know there's there's this you know person that was on the side of the road that was just a mess and needed clothes, and needed food, and needed shelter, and everybody else walked on the other side of the street and ignored him, but the Samaritan came over and took care of his needs. And he basically he's saying like, where you see the need, who you see that the need exists with, well, that's now your neighbor. Okay, That's the good that you ought to do, and if you have the ability, if you're like, I'm late for work and I'm going to get fired, well, then you probably shouldn't stop. Okay, There are some times that you have to apply wisdom, but if you have the ability to step in and help this individual out and you choose not to, then you just missed ministering to your neighbor and then your communities. And this is, I think, the area—we're a new church plant, so we shouldn't have it all together, but I also don't want to give us too much grace here, but this is one of the areas that we have a lot of room to improve on, and we want to. So let's just say that out loud. This is an area that we want to grow in. So if you look at our region right now, what are areas in our community that are doing really good work of providing food, providing clothing, helping battered women, and so on and so forth that we individually or even collectively could come alongside and maybe help them? Can you think of some organizations? Spit it out. Just tell them. Isaiah what? TLC? TLC? Somebody said something over here. Oh, okay. Families free? Okay. What else? Isaiah 117? Others? You don't have to, like, know them off the top of your head. It's okay. But the point is, they're all around us. And we have connections with some of these people. So one of the things that we ought to do is find a way for us to be mobilized and, and, and just assist them. This is how they're using their gift in us, to bless these individuals or to bless these, indivi- you know, these individuals who have, like, a yoke around them or who are really struggling... Um, you know, giving food to their children or, or clothing or what have you. How can we come along the side of them and help them? We desire to do that. And if we're coming in on Sunday morning and we're going through Romans verse by verse, and if Maddie and company are killing it with worship and Sunday mornings are amazing, but we're not going outside of these walls to minister to the needs in our community, I think that we would get the same kind of rebuke that the Lord is giving to Judah in Isaiah 58. And he says in this passage, you know, they're like, but, you know, we're fasting. We want you to hear from us. He says, yeah, but you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with the wicked fist, pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and why is it that they were doing so? Well, he says so in verse number three. He says, because in the day of fasting, you seek your own pleasure. You seek your own pleasure. You're only thinking about yourself and you know, your, your question, Lord, what are you calling us to? Or what do you want me to do? Or which job should I take? Or should I marry this girl? Or what have you? And we go into our time of fasting and we're seeking the, you know, the, the will of the Lord, And as we do so, there's individuals all around us and we ignore them. It's almost like the times that I have been doing my devotion and reading my Bible, um, you know, praying, um, and and one of my children, you know, would come to me and say, Dad, can you please help me, like, write my thesis statement for this, you know, uh, paper? And I'm like, not right now. I'm doing my devotions right now. I'll get to you in a moment. Duh. You know, I mean, but that's what we do because I'm seeking my own pleasure, my own spiritual growth. I'll get to you when I have time. And um, my well, he's not really a friend, but there's a guy, Douglas Wilson, I used to go to his conferences and stuff. He he made the statement years ago and he says, if you're trying to live a happy and fulfilled life, then that's why you're not. If you're trying to live a happy and fulfilled life, then that's why you're not. Because if your focus is on how can I be happy, how can I be joyful, where can I find peace, then your focus is all of the time on yourself, and you're never going to find it. You're always going to be disappointed because we are made to wash the feet of other people and to serve other people. You know, this is why Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other needs that you have, food, and clothing, and shelter, and guidance, and direction, and a spouse, and everything else, all of these things will be given to you, but if all you're doing is focusing on them, you're going to be missing the point. Seek first the kingdom, and seek other people's needs first. Okay, so looking at the passage again, look at verses um, 6 through 10 on your worship guide, and I'm going to go from 6, 7, and jump to 9, and 10. He says, is not this the, the fast that I choose? And listen to some of his words here. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. To um, share your bread with the hungry. To bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him. And then verse number, let's go to 10 actually. To pour yourself out for the hungry and to satisfy um, the desire of the afflicted, afflicted. Truth number two, kingdom service will require action on our part. I know you heard them, but let me read them again. Loose the bonds, undo the straps, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke, bring, cover, pour, satisfy. Those are our action words. We can't read those and not respond to them and not do something with them. Losing the bonds of wickedness. Where do we see uh, wickedness that needs to be addressed? That is part of our service to him. Undo the straps of the yoke. There's different yokes. There's religious yokes. There's drugs. There's codependency. There's spiritual strongholds. Um, Some people are just in really unhealthy relationships with someone, you know, that, that, that bond needs to be broken. And that's an unhealthy yoke. How do we go about and help unloose the straps? That is part of our service to him. Let the oppressed go free. Where do we see oppression all around of us, all around us? I know one of our staff members stepped into a conversation this week where there was like some oppression, and that was a way to kind of step in and help break that yoke. That is part of our service to him. And then we go from untying the yokes or undoing the, the, the straps of the yoke, I'm sorry, to breaking every yoke. So the next one he says is breaking every yoke. Um, in other words, you've helped untie, you've helped them identify, hey, there's a yoke here and it's not healthy, stay with them. Don't just pray for them one time. Stay with them. Continue to remain steadfast in prayer and keep them in your life. Keep on checking on them on a regular basis and then help them to see the grandeur of the gospel and apply it in their lives so that they can be set free so that that yoke can be broken. That could be an unhealthy relationship. That can be a struggle with pornography. You know, There's all kinds of different things that that could be, but there's a yoke that's there, and you know that it's there. Don't leave them to figure it out on their own. Stay with them and help them to see what Jesus said is true, that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And Galatians said it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And if we walk with people and if we help them to break those yokes, then we are doing our service unto him. Bringing the the homeless pour into your house. I mean, now it's getting real uncomfortable. Covering the naked, you know, pouring yourself out for the hungry, satisfying the desires of the afflicted again. With each of these, this is part of our service unto God. You know, and I said it earlier, our theme passage for this week is Colossians 4.2. And I do believe that if we're steadfast in prayer, Even as I told Jen this morning, when I feel like my prayers are just like, I'm saying the same things over and over, and they're not going anywhere, but that's okay, I'm going to keep praying. And we're steadfast in prayer, and watchful in it, we will see the Lord do amazing things. There are times that I can pray, and I just sense the presence of God, and the tears come out of my eyes, and I walk and pray, and I I will literally walk down the road just like this. And I'm like, God, you're amazing. And I know everybody sees me, and they think I'm an idiot, I don't care. You know? I'm, old, I'm over that. I'm too old to worry about those kinds of things, you know. But there are other times I'm like praying and then I'm thinking, should I have grilled cheese or should I have eggs? I'm really hungry, you know. And my mind begins to wonder these other areas. We all struggle with that, but let's continue to pray, okay. And as we continue to pray, if we're watchful in it, we're going to see the Lord do amazing things. And I think part of the watchfulness is what the Lord is speaking to here in Isaiah 58, You know, your watchfulness is only for yourself, but look out amongst, you know, yourselves. And if you'll step into those needs, then maybe, maybe that's where you'll find me. So good example from this past week. This is just ridiculous. So I'm walking and I'm praying and I'm actually preparing for the sermon. So there's a day that I was actually fasting. Past tense, I can tell you that. But on the day of, if I would have told you that, I would have been doing what Jesus said not to do. So I was fasting um, all day and I was praying. And as I was praying, I knew I had a meeting later that day um, with somebody. I can't remember who now. But I knew I had a meeting um, and I had to get to the coffee company. So I only had a certain block of time now and I was kind of in hurry up mode and I'm walking and I'm going down this little dead end street and I hear this garage door open. I'm like, oh no, that's my aunt. And I know that she's wanting some work done down in her basement and she's wanting to carry about a a bunch of stuff because I parked my truck down there and she was going to load it and wanted me to take all this stuff to the dump. And I'm like, I cannot step into that, right? She's a widow aunt. And she sees me walking, and she's like, this is a great time for me to get Jerry to help me. So I'm like, nope. And as I'm walking, literally, this is the passage that spoke to my ear and my head. And it said, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. That's in verse number seven. (laughs) I'm serious. And I was like, ah. And I just laughed. I did a 180. I went back, had a great conversation with my aunt helped her carry a bunch of boxes out, and um, there you go. And then I continued, and I was finishing up, and I walked by, and I saw my uh, father-in-law, who was just diagnosed with, uh, we thought it was um, pancreatic cancer, but it's not. It's going to be lymphoma, which is a little bit better, but anyway, Uh, but he was sitting outside, and he's blind. He's like 95% blind, and he's struggling with depression and having a hard time, and he's sitting out there, and I'm like, I can't step into that conversation with him right now. I've got to finish my prayer time. I mean, do you see that? Those are the kinds of things that we do. And eventually I turned around and we had, a, you know, had a good conversation with him you know, as well. But we have this tendency to just to be focusing in on the thing that we set aside this time to do. And when we do so, the Lord will intentionally, intentionally have someone opening a garage door or sitting in a seat as you're walking by to test and see, are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Do you understand this thing that I'm asking you to do? Because it is this, to wash the feet of other people and to serve other people, which takes us to our last truth. God will be found in us when we are pouring ourselves out for others. The promises are in verses 8 and 9. He says, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear God. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry. And here's what he'll say. He will say, here I am right here, right in the middle of this service opportunity that you happen to pay attention to and you set your needs and your time aside and you went and washed someone else's feet. That's where you'll find me. I close telling a story of of Jesus in in John chapter four, and they've been, you know, about you know following Jesus and He's doing all these amazing things. And in John chapter 4, you see that they're hungry. Okay, And, and it says that they had to go through Samaria because apparently there was work that needed to be done there. And Jesus stops and stays and all of his disciples, they go into a nearby town to get Chick-fil-A and waffle fries. And while they're gone, Jesus sees a Samaritan woman at this well. It's a double no-no. You know, Jews don't talk to women openly like this, and then you definitely don't talk to Samaritan women, which is, again, if you're, like, new to the church, don't get bogged down in that, okay? It's okay, you know, but this, that was one of the things. Samaritans were half-breeds. And you didn't want to spend time talking to a half-breed. And women were, were in a different place in society at the time. So Jesus says, nope, I am here for a reason. And he begins to have this conversation. And he reveals himself to this lady. And the disciples come back with their Chick Fil A bags. And they're like, Lord, we got your chicken sandwich. And he says, quote, unquote, he says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And they're like, what's he talking about? He doesn't have any food. We know that he doesn't have any food. And I love this quote. He says, my food, going back to our, te- our fasting passage in Isaiah 58, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. His work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes to the, har- the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. He says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. He's saying my sustenance. That which sustains me, that which energizes me, is to be obedient to the Lord. So here's the point, and there's a lot of words spoken this morning, and if you hear nothing else, please hear this. The heartbeat of God is always, always, always for the broken, the hurt, the oppressed, the naked, the hungry, and the afflicted, Always, and if we are going to be this phrase that we continue to use over and over and over, Jesus followers, if we are going to be Jesus' followers, then our service to Him must go beyond these church or gymnasium walls and outside of our community group homes, and it must go to the needy, the, the hurting and the afflicted. It must. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And that is our calling because now that he lives within us, we should be able to say my food, my sustenance, that which motivates me and that which energizes me is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Look at the little box in your worship guide if you have one. There's a a little box there thinking about things like the the bonds of wickedness, the straps of the yoke, the oppressed, the naked, the hungry, and the afflicted. Who is in your world that you continue to pass by on a daily basis because you're focused on yourself. You know, who would the Lord have you become become uncomfortable for the gospel's sake to step into this time of serving someone else's needs? I want you to fill that in and then turn that in. No, I'm just kidding. Of course we're not going to do that. But that's something that you need to wrestle with the Lord about. And I need to wrestle with the Lord about. Who am I just not seeing? What needs are around me? What garage door opened, but I did not even hear it because I was so focused on myself? Who's sitting out in a chair right now that just needs someone to come and love on them and listen to them and talk to them? And I didn't even see them because I was focused on myself. If you already know that, if the Lord's whispering that in your ear, you gotta maybe jot that down. And make that a a goal this week to go step into that conversation. The oppressed, the addicted, the broken, those that are struggling with a very specific sin, even the homeless, someone in need of clothing, someone in need of food. We learn of him here on Sunday mornings, but the real ministry takes place out there. And that's where we will find him because that's where his heartbeat is. It's for the people that are in need. James two fourteen through 17 puts it quite bluntly, so I'll just quote it. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace. Be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. Our challenge is to make Christian service in our communities a part of our daily lives. This will require action on our parts. It will require us to stoop down onto our knees and to get the water basin out and to wash the feet of other people and their dirt will come on your hands. And, and that is what it is. Jesus set that example for us and that's what he's calling us to do. Let's spend a few moments in prayer. I don't want to step into the prayer too quickly and start using my word. So let's just be silent before the Lord for a few moments and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work and then we'll open it up to anyone who wants to share.